welcome to episode 63 of our Baseball Weekly, the Back to Weekly podcast from the Baseball subreddit. Today, we celebrate the return of spring training, the fact that they've got the CBA figured out. Baseball is back. We're getting 162 games. It's great. And we get to talk about actual baseball things and not hypotheticals or stretches or anything like that, which is awesome. Uh, And then also, as a bonus, later this episode, Dylan sits down with Royals prospect Vinny Pasquantino, who sits at number 65 on the Zips prospect list. Uh, He he has, I said, a Royals prospect. Uh, And they talk about the end of the lockout, Vinny's year in A and AA, and uh, what, what the approach at the plate and mindset is for minor leaguers uh, looking to move up in the system. And uh, I am joined to, before that, we're going to talk about all the other baseball stuff going on. We're going to probably have to drag it out a few weeks just because there's so much in the new CBA to talk about. But joining me today for the intro is the queen of the R Baseball podcast. Maz, how are you doing on this fine fine evening doing very good lewis thank you said it not me uh i said it a couple weeks ago i'm glad to see that's catching on catching Um, on (laughs) you made a fetch happen uh yeah hey everybody welcome 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 i am here lewis is here and we're here yeah like you said to talk about baseball no more stretching for things to talk about no more oh my god what are we going to talk about this week uh let's you know shovel out a 45 minute podcast (laughs) Yeah, we yeah, actually have stuff to talk about. I'm we got thrilled. stuff to talk about. We got interviews. It's great. Um, next week, with, this is the hard part with the truncated spring training. We got to do our division. We got to do the division dandies, the previous yeah. series. Uh, despite the corny name, Jimmy called it that, and now we're stuck with it because you know, I just decided it's fun enough to blame it on Jimmy every time. Uh, division dandies start next. How week. How could you hate Jimmy? Come on. You can't hate Jimmy. Uh, so Division Dandies start next week, reviewing all three of those. Uh, we generally do, you know, the Easts, the Centrals, and the Wests all together. Not sure quite the order yet, because we're just kind of finalizing who we got. I mean, we could pretty much do it with regular hosts. It's fun to have other people stop by. Yeah, vary it up. Bring from people from the sub on. Bring from pe- some people from the Discord on. You know, just get some new names and voices out there. Exactly. So we're going to do a little uh, good host, bad host here, because I have a heartfelt thing to say to those listening. And then uh, Maz has got some things to say, and you're going to listen to yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, I hate to be a downer. I hate to, so, you know, come onto this podcast with the new CBA and, and have a bit of a downer, you know, couple things to say, but get your good stuff out of the way the, first. The good stuff here, I just want to thank all of our dedicated listeners, uh, a few of you reached out uh, after I posted that note last week. Just wanted to see if we'd be back after the lockout. We're here. We're recording. And uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it's out if you're listening. Uh, so, yes, we are back now that the lockout is over. It was a really rough week there where we thought we might be done. Um, but I just want to thank everyone who uh, reached out and also everyone who listens every week. We love getting emails at rbaseballweekly at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, any thoughts, rbaseballweekly at gmail.com. Uh, or just feel free to reach out to us on Reddit as well. We're pretty easy to get in touch with. And we love 
talking about baseball. We're happy it's back, and uh, we're happy we get to continue weekly with some actual news to talk about. Um, that is my note about the our baseball community. Maz, what were what were your feelings about the our baseball ball community here? All right. Well, like I said, I, I hate to be the person that's you know a downer on the you know baseball is back celebration, but I just had to make a note about how never forget during this lockout how you felt. Never forget how the owners theoretically like spit in your face for five months. You know, locking out the players, uh, claiming poverty, throwing things in the CBAs at the last minutes, this international draft that we just heard about for the first time, like a day before a new CBA was signed. Um, Basically, I don't know, it, it kind of made me sick a little bit to see how everybody was so, I hate baseball and I hate the owners and this is terrible and I, you know, okay. Let's be realistic. 90% of the people that said, I'm never watching baseball again, are, are right back. That's expected. You know, I was never a, I'm not watching baseball ever again person because it's ingrained in my DNA, yeah, as we mentioned like there. two weeks ago. I, I can't, uh, I was like, man, this is going to be really rough. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, well, I will still probably watch. All the extra oh, yeah. stuff might be a little harder, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. With, uh, like I said, I'm right there with you. I, I never lied to myself. And if you lied to yourself and said, I'm never watching and now you're back, it, it's fine. It happens. It's baseball. Baseball's great. <laughs> but but basically my, my, my main gripe comes with the fact that these owners, like I said, basically spit in your face for three months and now the CBA gets signed and you're immediately just like doing virtual backflips about how baseball's back. Like, can you like virtual backflips, man? (laughs) I mean, so do I, but can't, okay, this is going to sound harsh and I'm sorry if it sounds harsh, but have some self-respect for like at least two days, you know? Here, I thought your rant was going to be about the people who turned on Scherzer. No, I, I and I oh. did see that. I did oh, see that man. on. I saw that on Monday. When did the CBA get signed? On Tuesday. Uh, I believe Tuesday it, or Wednesday. It was. Uh, it was. It was one of those days. I was in a work yeah. meeting, and the same the year. News, I was pretty busy this week. The, the but, news dropped, and I saw it come up, and I could not. I couldn't smile about it. I couldn't react. <laughs> To it same. because in the meeting we were talking about some terminated employees um oh. so I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't react to it and i was like oh, oh shoot i i okay. had kind of a similar reaction because it was just like i was still there i was still in that mindset of all this crap that we've been through for the last three six months and the new cba gets done and it's like okay that's cool but i wasn't like i saw people on twitter that i follow like singing take me out to the ball game on like their oh, their was. twitter and stuff I was. and it, but. like like i said don't ever forget how the owners made you feel these last six months i get it we're all back we're all excited that things are picking up free agents are signing and everything that's great but just like i said just at least take a day or two and have some self-respect for yourself it's like the it's like the ex-girlfriend who's not even that attractive but like stomped on your heart and, like I said, spit in your face, and you say, wow, that was terrible, I'm never going back to her. And then she texts you one day, hey, you up, 
and you're immediately back to, yes, I'm here. I love you so much. Oh, my God. Like, come on. A little bit. A little bit. And that's my rant. I'm sorry to be the downer on that one. Well, I just want... So I want to turn it around um, a little bit. Not turn it around on you, but turn it a slightly <laughs> different way. I was surprised by the immediate reactions for the players that voted against the current CBA. Like, immediate. True. And it's like, everyone, we were cheering. A, a lot of you were cheering these guys on as they were standing up to the owners. And then suddenly uh, the players are finally. I want to be clear. The players did not cave in this agreement. The players didn't give up. Mm-hmm. They aren't split and the union is broken because they didn't vote unanimously to approve or deny this. That's mm-hmm. just how negotiations work. I think they got pretty much, uh, they got a lot of what they wanted. And I think they got almost everything they actually wanted. Because let's be real, in negotiations, your first offer is not what you expect to get. And your first offer is not what uh you necessarily want to get you you start high and go down um but you can't just turn on these players that have been fighting to to get this deal right away just because they thought hey you know what i think we can get a better deal and everyone else is like no we're good this is good like okay that's how it works. That's why they vote on these things. Yeah. The the immediate turn on, you know, like I said, I think it was Monday, Tuesday. It was like a day mm-hmm. or two before the CBA finally got signed. Like that turn of like the baseball and the R baseball community in general on the players is like an entirely different situation. I get it. I get it because it's the second deadline and everybody wants a 162 game season. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with it, but at least I kind of understand a little bit more like where people are coming from. Um, the other thing that, that the thing that I had the most problem with was the, the fact of everybody just immediately forgiving and forgetting uh, to the owners that lock the players out, uh, you know, lock them out for three months before they even started negotiations and then did all these bad faith negotiations on the deadlines that they set and then threatens to cancel games. Nope. We can't play 162. Uh, well, maybe we can, if we get the deal done today, like, come on, everybody's just gotta, you know, I, I I'm excited too, but at least take a little bit of time and don't let them get away with it. Like immediately. You know what I mean? Well, it did get signed, and uh, I want to actually talk about some happy things. From, yes, let's from talk this. about some happy so, things. I'm I'm so sorry. I, Come yell I, at me on Twitter or whatever if you really want to. But that that's my rant, and I, I feel a little bit better about it now. Tweet at her. Tweet at her. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, all right. So there are lots to talk about. And like I said in the intro, we're probably going to have to spread it over uh, a few weeks to really dig into everything that is in the the CBA here, um, just because there's some stuff that we don't really even know what the implications really are. We can only speculate um, on some of this stuff. But uh, I first thing I want to talk about is that right here, after the longest off season, or it feels like the longest off season of the past, uh, you know, non COVID. Yeah, yeah the, co- these, the COVID one was longer. Two Let's of not these forget. terrible <laughs> long off seasons here. Um, <laughs> after this year, we have one of the shortest ones. It feels like because 2023 
the World Baseball Classic is back. And it is also agreed to for 2026. So we have two World Baseball Classics, and we don't have to wait four years in between. It's three years in between, and I'm pumped about it. And I'm excited that at the end of the year, I know that I just have to make it through November, December, January, and the beginning of February before there's baseball back. So I don't know, Maz, what are your feelings on the World Baseball Classic? I, I love I like it. the I like it too. I, I like the World Baseball Classic. I think it's cool that we get all these players from all around the country that represent their homes, uh, home countries, and everything. Um, I don't know, but it's weird because I don't like the Olympics, so I don't really know. Maybe it's just baseball, but yeah, it should be cool. I missed it. I think the last one was supposed to be in 2020, right? And then it got canceled due to the pandemic. So, yeah. It does stink that not all the best players go. Uh, you know, DeGrom probably isn't going to be playing for Team USA. Trout's probably not going to be playing for Team USA. Um, some of the top tier, let's be honest, some of the non-Hispanic top tier players don't usually go. Um, was, so, for one so reason don't... or another. Don't uh, don't rule them out. Uh, it was 2021 was when we were supposed to have the last World Baseball Classic. It was okay. Yeah, 2021, um, and Mike Trout did indicate uh, a couple years before that he might be willing to to go wow. for the next one. Well, now no, that listen, he's might. now that he's secured the bag, he's got the mega extension, right? That uh, that is true. I feel like that that probably changes things for a lot of players when they've got that guaranteed money. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing a few more baseball games uh, is a little more fun than, uh, you know, you don't want to end up like uh, the shortstop in Major League just trying to <laughs> don't get injured before free agency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good move. Very good. Very good reference. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic. Um, I like it. And that's that's it. That's my feelings. <laughs> All right. So in addition, there's some other international stuff that I am personally excited about. Um, I hope that I can make it to one of these. Uh, my wife and I have agreed we want to start traveling more. And this is something I would love to put on the calendar and, uh, see for a few years from now and start really planning and saving up. So here's, here are some things they've got, uh, planned every May from 2023 to 2026. They're going to have regular season games at Mexico City. There's going to be a regular season series in Mexico City uh, every May from 2023 to 2026. And then they are going to have a June series in London in 2023, 2024, and 2026. Why are they skipping 2025? Because in June 2025, they're going to be in Paris. Or a Very cool. So that's something. And then uh, also, we're going to be looking at some games in San Juan, Puerto Rico in September of 2025 and 2026. And get your clock set for the early morning in 2024 and 2025 because they're looking at international series openers uh, those two years, which I always love when there's that international opener. Um, I get to set my clock for like two, three a.m. Turn on the turn on baseball and watch it for like three days 
usually a week or two before the the season starts. So really, we're looking at you know 2023 World Baseball Classic, 24 and 25. They're going to have the international openings. We're going to have March baseball for the next th- you know three years at least. So uh, that's pretty exciting to me. Uh, yeah. They're also looking at some spring training games in Puerto Rico and or the Dominican Republic in 2024. Uh, and then they're also looking at doing some postseason tours of either Latin America uh, or and South Korea and Taiwan. Um, uh, so, sorry, so according to AP, Associated Press exclusive, they were the ones who first reported this. Um, this year, after this season, they're looking at touring South Korea and Taiwan and then uh, doing a Latin American tour in 2023. Um, and I, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I love international baseball. I love weird time zones. Wake up for. Um, probably won't wake up for the postseason. You know, to, not postseason games. To be clear, there were some people that were confused about this. They're like, why are the playoffs suddenly in a different country? And it's like, no, like, after the season, you yeah, know, like post- uh, I guess off season would be yeah. a better way of say- saying it, right? Yeah, but, yeah <laughs> but so I- I'm pumped for all of it. That should be great. Um, you know, they talk about growing the game internationally and everything. That's definitely a way to do it. I loved the London games. I know they were by and large uncompetitive, if I remember correctly. They're well, like, both games were kind of blowouts. Runs, yeah. Like- it felt um, uncompetitive, but also that either team could like suddenly be competitive because there were so many runs scored. Yeah, I loved the London game. I'm really looking forward to that again, mostly because probably my fondest memory of that was finding London broadcasts of the game and having the British announcers call everything. And I I forget oh, who they had. Yeah, I never told you about that. Oh, I missed dang. this, yeah. This was this was great. It was, I found, I think it was a BBC or like whatever sports channel was over there, stream of the game, and they had a London gentleman uh, over there, a British gentleman, and then a, a current player, I forget who it was, it was either a current player or a current broadcaster who was went over with him to be like the you know the analyst kind of and it was so great just to hear his reactions to everything and it like him calling every a little unfamiliar with the rules and like it was so great and i i'm really looking forward to hopefully i could find another one of those streams i guarantee i can and uh it was just it was just great uh i don't know if you could look up highlights of it maybe someone's got compilations on youtube but it was it was precious everybody needs to check it out (laughs) so I just knew that the games were ridiculously high scoring. So I had oh, yeah. to just look up the box scores here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, it felt a little competitive here. Actually, game one, um, the Yankees came out of the gate. And Didn't they score eight runs. runs in the first six, inning? Six, six. runs. <laughs> and then the Red Sox scored six to tie it up. Right. Okay, and there then, we go. then uh, the Yankees really piled it on and they were up 17 to six. And then the Red Sox scored seven unanswered runs. Yeah, it was weird. The The second game, the Yankees were shut out in the first inning. My goodness. Okay. Uh, and then the Red Sox scored four. Yankees scored two. And then it looked like a normal baseball game until the seventh. And the Yankees scored nine runs in an inning. 
if if I recall correctly, I think there was something up with like the aerodynamics of the stadium and maybe like the wind in the stadium that they had. Was, I don't know. Someone correct me if like, I'm wrong. Uh, there's there wasn't a cross like normally just with the way the stadiums are laid out. There's a cross breeze or something, and there just wasn't one. Just with how it, there was so much fall territory, and I mean mm-hmm. it was, um, it it was played at what uh wembley stadium i believe yeah london stadium oh which is i mean it's a multi-purpose but it's like a track and field venue too it was where they opened and closed the the summer olympics Um, i know if they they got to figure out speaking of wind and stadiums and everything they're gonna have to figure out what to do with mexico city yeah because uh, apparently (laughs) uh you think you think coors is uh is a high field. Um, Mexico City. Uh, let me see. I want to make sure it's I've higher got, than uh, Coors, right? It is by a bit. Yeah, uh, it is at elevation seven thousand three hundred and forty-nine. Mm-hmm. So um, it's basically a Coors and a half. <laughs> Coors and a half. Oh my god! Oh, I, I was going to say that doesn't really half, mean anything to me. <laughs> It's a uh, it, it's it's a little higher than uh, than Coors is at, and oh, um, here's the other thing. I remember they've done. You can get a preview of this at the World Baseball Classic because I remember they played World Baseball Classic games there, um, and they were pretty high scoring. They were they were very high scoring. Um, I I gotta figure out where they I want to I want to pull up what they were. It was at the latest oh uh, the 2019 or 2017 World Baseball Classic. Uh, in, Riveting stuff. <laughs> yeah, in oh, it wasn't in was it in Mexico City? I remember there was like San Diego, there was Tokyo, there was oh. Miami. Um, I don't really remember any of the international locations. But it, so it wasn't. It, so the one it, it wasn't in Mexico City. Oh. It was in uh, Zapopan, but it was at Coors Elevation. OK, OK, OK. And uh, that was Pool Pool D. And <laughs> um, the final no. scores in Pool D games, nine to ten, eleven to nothing, eleven to ten, nine to four, nine to three, eleven to nine. So, um, amazing! Yeah. A little high can, scoring there. We can get some high scoring games. That's uh, <laughs> I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Those are fun. Same here. Yep. Um, Good all stuff. Right. Um, the other big uh, things that I think are the most prominent for affecting the 2022 season. These are three things that we were told they were basically finalized and agreed to, but it's good to have it in writing finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest one, in my opinion, is that we've got a universal DH starting this year. Yep. Um, how do RIP you feel to as sitting. a longtime NL fan about that? I'm a little bummed. I mean, not going to lie. I do think it was cool having two leagues with two separate rules. Uh, I'm going to miss it just mostly because of guys like Jake. You know, he's on my team, obviously. I don't get to see him hit. But at the same time, apparently he re-aggravated some of his injuries last year for taking from taking swings. So I get it, I get it, I get it. We'll still see it. 
everybody's like, oh, we're never going to see a pitcher hitting ever again. Like, we'll see it. It, it happens. Mess in, something up. It, it happens. happens in AL games at least like twice a year. I feel like I see an AL pitcher hitting. Um, so it'll happen. Um, yeah. But you know, RIP to all the f the DH comments. Uh, I you know, uh, I could will that into existence, right? Um, you're, you're stuck with it. You're stuck with it, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, stinks. But I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And then uh, we have a rare case of Manfred following through on his word. Mm-hmm. Before the 2020 season, we were told that the uh, seven inning doubleheaders and the ghost runner on second in extra innings or before the last season, uh, that these were just these were just things for COVID seasons. And once we're back to normal, they would be back. They would be gone. And uh, everyone looked at 2021. And what did you say about it, Maz? I said about it. Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember one of the first big interviews we did on this channel was with Foolish Baseball. And I was on that episode because I'm a big fan. Um, And I had mentioned to him about how I couldn't help but to think that it was just a bargaining chip because the players like seven inning doubleheaders the players like man on second and extras and i was convinced that manfred was going to use that as a bargaining chip to sell to the players to get a cba signed and say well i know you guys like this so you know we'll give it back if you sign the cba and that's not what happened i mean maybe it is behind closed doors but I i didn't hear anything about it and i was shocked um Broken clock twice a day, you know what they say. Uh, but I was genuinely shocked that yeah. seven inning doubleheaders and man on second didn't come back. We'll have to see. Uh, my guess is they will be topics in five years at the next negotiation. Oh my god! But stop! I don't. Let's uh, not. No. <laughs> I don't feel like talking about that right now. Uh, yeah. We don't need to worry about that. Um, all right. Now we we do have an interview later. Um, so let's just rapid fire here. These are some big big name signing um yep. but despite everyone complaining about how it wasn't the rapid fire free agent frenzy that they thought it would there's a lot of people that signed uh it was much more of a frenzy than you think about just because a couple of big names aren't off the table yet doesn't mean it hasn't been pretty busy um so uh let's just run down these deals we're sorry if we missed any there were a lot um, yeah, these, these are the more I felt what I felt like were the more important ones. Yeah. So if I missed it, sorry, but there there was a lot. So go right, off. first up, uh, the big one for for now, um, maybe maybe Correa after we're done recording. Actually, he's going to sign after we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, probably. Almost, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. All right. Uh, Carlos Rodon signs with the Giants on a two year, forty four million dollar deal and includes an opt out after first season Mm -hmm. that's that's an interesting interesting contract layout could be a one-year deal could be a two depends on how he pitches i guess i like it for the giants um mets only play them twice so i don't hate it too much um but i like it he's a good pitcher uh the starting pitching for the giants was a strength last year and it looks like it's going to be a strength this year as well. So they realize they need to reinforce a little bit, and they go and get that by getting Carlos Rodon, who's really solid. I 
cannot believe that this is like it was just a two-year deal or that it was just for 44 million. I feel like every team could afford a two-year 44 million dollar deal for Rodon. Well, apparently that's an overpay, depending on who you ask. And I'm not talking about fans, I'm talking about GMs. (laughs) I it's just like it's a short-term deal. It's so short. <laughs> it is. It's yeah, he's twenty. Deal. He's twenty-nine. This is going to be his twenty-nine-year-old season. So you'd think he would have signed like maybe a five-year deal. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. I don't there know. Must, unless there's something that um, I know that he was absolute trash in 2020. Um, he was not. <laughs> he, he he was absolute trash in 2020. Oh, 2020. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought you yeah. said 2021. My, no, no, my bad. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> in 2020, he went 0-2 with an 822 ERA in seven innings. Right. Okay, my bad. Uh, across uh, across two starts and two other appearances. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not very good. And I, he's been like a career four to five ERA, ERA guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but he all started last, last year. year. And and there was always that potential. You knew there was that potential there. So um, he did it. He did it uh, and continued it. Um, so I'm 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 interested. Maybe I'm missing something. Obviously, all the teams have much, except for maybe the Rockies, have better ana- have better analytics than I'm have access to. Um, got to rip on the Rockies at least once an episode. You know how it is. So either there's something there or I'm going to be really mad um, when uh, he puts up a sub for ERA for that. And just, yeah. Yeah. He threw a no hitter last year, right? I believe so. There were a lot so, of no hitters last year. There was. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, he was a Cy Young candidate. Uh, all-star and yeah it feels like he should have gotten more feels like it should have been longer but maybe he's betting on himself and maybe he pitches really good this year and then he signs a monster contract somewhere after that never know Uh, yep he uh indeed he victimized the guardians uh, correct well they were the indians well okay how do we we refer to them in the past tense like is this a is this a dead name situation or is it well, like a historical <laughs> situation? I, I don't, don't know. know it, knowing a two thing or two about dead names, yeah. I don't. Uh, I, it's if it's fine. They were the, the Indians. Cleveland, now they're the, the Cleveland, Guardians. They did, they did the they did the Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, who who got victimized three times last year? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about a guy who used to be on a team with the Native American name, the Braves, but now he's with the Cubs, apparently. Who's that? Uh, Andrelton Simmons, who, good riddance. Right. Uh, Simba. Good, good riddance. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> good, good signing by the Cubs, I think. Um, what are the Angels doing? I, uh, what are they I doing, don't... man? I, I don't know. He was with the Twins last year. If you, I know, but like, how do you not? I I know that. I'm just saying, like, how do you not bring him back? He was an Angel he for a long terrible. time. He was terrible last year. You haven't you like seen to the know foolish what his baseball video was? on him. His slugging last year was 274. 274 slugging. All right. Well, um, everybody has down years. I want to. I want to. This is so. This is something that uh, we're. 
it's going to be be coming back. Uh, it's it's listed later. I'm going to jump it up. The Twins Uh-oh. traded for uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who yes. um, from the Rangers for for Mitch Garver, who Mitch Garver had a down year. Um, I just want to say Isaiah Kiner Falefa. He's basically a converted catcher. Is good defensive yes. shortstop. His Correct. slash line is 271, 312, 357. You are stating and the, facts and nothing but facts, yes. And the Twins would rather trade away a catcher who hit 35 home runs, selling him at his lowest point of value to get Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as a shortstop rather than re-sign Andrelton Simmons. I feel like that tells you all you need to know about where Andrelton Simmons is, that the Twins would rather do that. <laughs> all right, that is... That is that is true. Uh, Kiner <laughs> Falefa is also younger. He is. He's younger. He's also was a uh, fantasy baseball steal last year for both my teams because mm-hmm. he still had catcher eligibility. He, yep. I guess he could be an emergency catcher for the Twins. That was um, what you know provides kind of value. Plan. Jeffers is the the number one, uh, and then they've they've got uh, a couple of younger guys, and then. Uh, Connor Falefas will always be that emergency number three catcher. And so, of course, get ready for extra innings games where they shoot to shots of uh, him in the dugout pacing and like looking at catcher gear or whatever. <laughs> like they always do in extra innings, like picking oh, up catcher this, gear. Yeah. Is this the inning they pinch hit for the catcher? They've got Connor Falefa there. He's available. Like, <laughs> yep. It'll be, it'll be mentioned on every broadcast that goes into like the 10th. <laughs> right. Well, as it turns out, uh, no, it won't, because shortly after recording, Isaiah Connor falefa along with Josh Donaldson, was flipped to the Yankees uh, for Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez, and Lewis wanted me to say he doesn't know what the hell the Twins are doing with these trades after that news broke. So, I don't know. So, uh, so there's, there's that. Uh, there's that. Um, surprise to no one, Clayton Kershaw signs with the Dodgers. One year, 17 mil plus incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's going to get a one year deal from the Dodgers every year till he's done. Like, yeah, is that you think that's safe? He's, to say? I know he's got to prove it in my mind. Um, it's only a 17 million deal plus incentives. Um, he's got to prove that he could stay healthy, that he could stay effective and that he can not be old Clayton Kershaw, but just be what he is now um, for a full year. And I think maybe after this year is over, if he proves that, he'll sign like maybe another three, four, five-year deal. Um, I have to keep reminding myself that he's only like, what, three weeks older than Jacob deGrom is? Yeah, he's he's not that old, really. No, he's 34. He's just just been around so long that everyone assumes he's like a... Madison like elder statesman age. Um, no, Madison Bumgarner's younger. Bumgarner's Matt, also um, like only He's 34. also a guy, though. Yeah, he, those two <laughs> are the two I, like, assume yeah. uh, are, like, almost in their 40s. Um, yep. Those two, my goodness. Pick a random player I <laughs> feel as both... old, and I pick someone younger. Well, uh, the thing is that they both have so many miles on their arm. They both yeah. are in the postseason nearly every year. I, I mean, Bumgarner was for a little bit. I, and, you know, Kershaw pretty much every year is in the playoffs. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's just the way that I feel. The, the dream yeah. of him going to the Rangers is dead, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It, it He's is one of my favorite pitchers ever, so I, I just want to see him be healthy and be effective. Be 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 healthy, be happy, Peyton Kershaw. Live, laugh, Los Angeles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, uh, this next deal is a Steve Cohen special, so I will let you uh, rattle this one off. Steve Cohen special, yes. The New York Mets made a trade. They got Chris Bassett from the Oakland A's as the Oakland A exodus of Mark Hanna and Starling Marte uh, continues yeah. to <laughs> go over. And may possibly Matt Chapman. Uh, you know, who knows what happens there. But yeah, love this trade for the Mets. Who do we give up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're not the Rays yet. Uh. <laughs> but no we did we did seriously we got rid of a guy that i was actually kind of high on if i recall correctly he was our number four or five prospect uh depending on who you ask jt gin um or jt Jin. no i think it, i think it's gin i'm not positive but hey he's a minor league guy i don't care um i did really kind of like him he was a really uh, a right-handed pitcher but Bassett is a great number three behind DeGrom and Scherzer. If you're going to be in the playoffs, if you're going to make a run, you need to have a really good number three. It can't drop off a crater into Carlos uh, 2020 Carlos Carrasco. Right. Uh, right. Or, I'm sorry, 2021 Carlos Carrasco after two of the best pitchers on the planet. Um, so, yeah, I like the deal. And then we also gave up this guy, Adam Aller, uh, who I hadn't heard of before today. Boy, MVP, Adam drink. Aller. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Adam Olervino. Uh, we also got Adam Ottavino today as well. So, you know, that's a good segue. But pitcher, relief pitcher depth uh, is always good. But yeah, Bassett's good. I like the trade. Uh, sorry, Oakland fans. You guys are losing everyone. But I guess you should be used to it, right? <laughs> Speaking of uh, reliever depth, the White Sox signed a uh our baseball favorite mr joe kelly uh, depending on who you ask <laughs> favorite or least favorite uh signed joe kelly to a two-year deal um shores up some some depth there in that uh that bullpen and gonna be honest they they've got some good depth there i hate to say that it makes yeah. me sad to admit nice things about the white Sox. Let me but. see. They got, you know, obviously they got Liam Hendricks. They got, uh, what's his face? Um, everybody can't see it, but I'm doing the, the arm thing. Uh, the, what's his face? Which, which. The guy from the Cubs used to be on the Braves reliever. The, the the arm thing? Oh, Kimbrel? <laughs> there we go. Sorry, Craig Kimbrel. Yes, how did I? Was, I wasn't sure God. if you were you were forgetting his name or if you were trying to make me say it. Um, yes, I was trying I to make you say it. I couldn't remember it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, and now was, Joe Kelly. <laughs> which I mean, uh, I remember laughing because Craig Kimbrel was straight up trash for the White Sox last year. After he being was. money all year for the Cubs, yep. money. This is this is the fun fun splits fun splits for me. Uh ERA with the Cubs, point four nine in thirty nine oh, no. games. Go go uh, ahead. Thirteen hits, thirteen hits over thirty six point two innings. He only gave up a hit almost like once every third inning. Um. 
comes to the White Sox. 5.09 ERA. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't good for the Sox, but you have to assume that he's not going to be that bad again. Um, but anyway, I'm he's sorry. My point... Really my up point... and down. Really. Like, yeah. up and down, up and down. I mean, he was not good in 2019 or 2020. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Well, my, my um, point was, I'm sorry, was that with the, the, the addition of Joe Kelly, it seems like the White Sox are trying to do everything they can to sign every insane uh, reliever on the planet. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Guys that throw 100 and curse. Uh, like Liam Hendricks, <laughs> and then you know Joe Kelly, who's just kind of insane, and also could like dial it up to a hundred occasionally, I believe. So, uh, good move. I really wanted the Mets to get him, but hey, whatever. Can't have everything. I'm just I'm gonna swap these uh, last couple here because it, it, it's one that uh, I I'd like to get your take on. Uh, Juris Familia uh, is now a Philly. That's my take. Philly's uh, on a one-year, six million contract um with with some incentives there what as a as a met fan what what do you feel about that i i don't know i was never the biggest yuris familia fan sorry (laughs) no problem i i was never the biggest yuris familia fan uh you know except when he was saving 50 plus games for us in 2015 but I don't know. These last couple of years, ever since that year that we traded him to Oakland and he came back on a free agent deal, he's just been really weird. Um, he looks like trash. I guess like relievers. It's the story of the relievers. They look like trash sometimes. And they look like world beaters sometimes. I just, I, I don't get it. I'm not bummed to see him go, but I am bummed to see him go to the Phillies because I know he's going to be really good. I just, spoiler, he's going to be great. He's especially in that beleaguered Philly bullpen, he's going to step up and be like their rock. I just, I just know it. Um, yeah, I don't like it, but he's also a domestic abuse guy. So it makes it a little bit easier to, yeah. <laughs> I saw your face just now. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> so it also yeah. makes it a little easier to say bye-bye to him. Uh, you know, I feel like this is where we have to mention uh, Trevor Bauer was added another week to his uh, week to his uh mlb uh, suspension because I, is that feel a th- like... I missed that was that a thing yeah they, they added another uh oh. another i think a week to it uh oh, shame they, they continue uh to to follow that um <laughs> that was we'll a good see. segue that i didn't even know that we'll we see needed how that, uh, we'll see how that works out um all right last couple deals here this one just more time for, more time for bauer to retweet to sean watson um just anyways go ahead. Uh, Brad Boxberger and the Milwaukee Brewers have a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Oh, Boxberger, it's breaking news. Yeah, this is breaking news. Except, nice. you know, if they're listening to it, it's at least 12 hours old. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> breaking news to us. Uh, and then uh, Steven Souza is going Junior. to the Mariners. Right? There we go. There we go. More, more signings. <laughs> more signings. Things are happening. And uh, the last one here that I feel was a really good move by the Blue Jays. It, it's Yusei. Yusei Kikuchi signed a three-year deal with the Blue Jays for $36 million. Um, Man, the Blue Jays may have second, third best rotation in the American League at this point, no? I would not doubt it, which uh, I was looking at their depth projection today for a post I was doing. 
Um, and uh, they are projected to score uh, 857 runs this year. A lot. 272 home runs. That's a lot. Uh, Not really. Eh. It's it's up there. It's number two behind the Yankees. So, yeah, okay. Uh, they're not supposed to steal many bases, though. That's a uh, shocker. That's that's not it. But yeah. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I would be worried uh, about the team in Toronto if I were someone in the AL East. Um, also, no, we'll, we'll talk I'd be about worried. It. This is this is this is a bit of news that we we didn't touch on earlier, but uh, I feel is worth mentioning at this point. Um, I'd also be worried about it because um, the Blue Jays play in Toronto, which means you have to travel to Canada, and in order to travel from the U.S. to Canada, you must have a valid uh, COVID vaccination, and mm-hmm. there is a decent ch- uh, chance that uh, some opponents may be without some players for their series in Toronto. Um, So that uh, Aaron Aaron Boone was asked asked about it today, uh, speaking of Indivision, and he said he was, quote, worried, uh, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's, quote, concerned. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. If only there uh, was a way, you know, if only. Well, if uh, if there's anyone that for some reason is still um, wary, there's new protein-based vaccines that are coming out based on old technology. They're coming yeah. out soon. So uh, look those up and see if you can get those if for some reason you didn't want to take the other ones. Huh. Uh, I don't yeah. get vaccinated. I don't know. So, That's it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully. Sorry that, that this podcast had to become political all of a that's sudden. Right. I had but... to suddenly get political because <laughs> quote, we're worried quote, about unquote. the Yankees missing half their lineup uh, against Toronto. <laughs> anyway. uh, I feel like that's an advantage that the Blue Jays deserve after spending the last two seasons, uh, well, last season mostly playing not in Florida, at their yeah. home and being stuck being road warriors all the time. So mm. there's that. Um, all right, so that, that kind of rounds up the signings that we have. That we we're sorry if we missed any. There's a few more trades, obviously, a few more signings, but there's uh there's going to be stuff we miss, especially because apparently uh, Andrew Friedman has said working the free agent trade market since lockout ended has been like drinking out of a fire hose, according to Bill Plunkett. Um, so. So there's that. Uh, there's two two more things I want to just touch on. First of all, um, I want to bring up something. Um, my co-host here ate a baseball card for some reason. Uh, oh lord! And I'd I'd like to I'd like you to share the story why. Um, and tell me what the experience was like uh, eating a baseball card. Because uh, you didn't take the how to eat fried worms route of like sauteing it or doing anything like that. You just straight up ate it. Yeah, that was a thing. I don't know we were going to talk about this, but I figured it was, you know, we talk about things that happen on the sub. This happened on the sub. It also happened in the Discord as well. I guess everybody check out that post if you haven't already. It was quite a video. Uh, I had a little bit of fun with the editing, with the song choice, with, uh, you know before I got down to, to, to eating. Um, yeah, just check out my profile, and it's one of the last things I posted. Um, 
Yeah, like you said, I didn't take the easy way out. I just, I womaned up. I almost said manned up, but I womaned up and uh, just just put the whole thing in. And uh, yeah, that's that's what she said. It was really something. I One of the people in the comments did notice that I walked off screen for like a half a second just to grab a bag. And that's, I guess, kind of the only regret that I have about the experiment was that... Um, there's some plausible deny like people are there's conspiracies that you didn't eat it. Yeah, there are conspiracies that I didn't eat it, but any let, let's rewind. Yes, I basically I did swallow the card. I'm that's, looking in the camera. That's all I did swallow the card. I I did make a bet on the R baseball Discord. If you're not there, uh, check it out. It's a fun little place that if Max Scherzer signed with the Mets, I would eat a Max Scherzer baseball card. I made that bet because if you remember earlier in the 2021 season, Max said he would use his no trade to veto a trade to the Mets. Um, and I thought that was like a sign that he just didn't want to play for the Mets. <laughs> Who would at this point? No, I'm joking. At that point. Um, at that point. But I guess it was just because he didn't want to go to a division rival in season. I don't know. But I was so confident that he wasn't coming here that I made that bet. And then he came here. And then I procrastinated, and then I finally bought and ate the card this last week. And it was probably the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten or had in my mouth in general. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then finally, to wrap up the off season, um, user did it for the story. They finished up. I have to say, I am impressed. Um, there were a lot of people who started going to do this for the duration of the lockout stuff. Early there were a bunch of them, a couple of them. Or like piggybacked off of other people who were like late to the party and trying to go off it. No, he started, he did 97 drawings and uh, I am I, I more well done. Well done, sir. Yep, well, well done, did it for well the story. Um, he did an AMA on the sub this week that blew up uh, over 20,000 upvotes at the time of recording. Check that out. It was fun. Um, but yeah, it was one of the things that made the offseason and the lockout a little bit easier to handle. Um, personal bias, I am bummed it didn't go maybe another couple days because he was right there. He was going to draw me getting eaten by Mike Trout or something. I was right there. Uh, but hey, whatever. It, it It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was your favorite Mike Trout drawing? I think overall my favorite one was the Bold and Brash one. Um, okay. That, you know, I am a big SpongeBob fan. I do have a Bold and Brash painting in my bathroom. Um, so I think it might be Mike Trap Bold and Brash. What about yours? Um, the my favorite for theming was the Valentine's Day one with uh Mike Trout pulling a Bobby Valentine with a with sunglasses and a mustache coming back into the dugout. Mm -hmm. um, that one took me a minute. I did enjoy it. <laughs> but I Christmas think, one too. I think uh my favorite was his Norman Rockwell homage of Trout drawing himself in the mirror um that that was that was pretty good especially because he made the trout face 
uh, and <laughs> really showed how far he'd come as far as detailing uh, is concerned. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that that was my my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like that one. And then I mentioned the Christmas one, the John McClane one. I liked oh, a whole yes. lot, too. Um, so, yeah, he he was he was really good. I, I liked him and uh, sad to see him go, but he'll still be around. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's he's not joining Aloy in the sky, you know. Um, no, no, he's, yes, no. He's, he's with he's with the and Wade Boggs now. Uh, what a what a reference! Oh God. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, Maz, it was great to have baseball to talk about again. I'm excited to get this going weekly again. Division dandies next week, and Dylan's going to be running those. Um, but right now, uh, we are going to turn things over to Dylan. And uh, his interview with the Zips ranked 60, number 65 prospect, Vinny Squatino. And uh, it's a great interview. They talk about a lot of great stuff. And uh, I'm excited for everyone to listen to it once again. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here on our Baseball Weekly. We'll uh, see you at the end of Dylan's interview. All right, Vinny. So uh, obviously we're talking on a pretty awesome day for baseball, I would say. Uh, you know, the lockout is officially over. Um, so you can say that you helped make that happen with this <laughs> if you'd like to. But um, what's your just reaction to, you know, them getting an agreement done and, you know, things are turning to a little bit more normalcy? Yeah, uh, I could speak to it from a few ends. Um, from a fan, that's obviously a really exciting a really exciting day because you know the sport that we all love is is back not technically you know we've missed probably 10 or so spring training games I don't know however many we technically missed but just as a fan it's a really exciting time because things are about to happen and they're about to happen really quickly um so from that end it's really cool and as a young player who isn't on a 40-man roster and who has not played in the major leagues and who is not major league union protected yeah uh a really exciting day as well because obviously we don't have all the information but like that is in the proposal or is in the agreement now i don't yeah. have to say proposal anymore which is right. nice so what's in the agreement obviously you know the thing that we all see is minimum salary yeah has been right. raised by quite a bit so from a standpoint as a player who you know you try to look at things you know, from a business sense, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing when salary increases. So right. obviously yeah. we're all trying to get there to make that salary. So, and it's just an exciting day, basically from all ends and just, we're really excited to be able to have, have the big league guys back and, you know, watch them do their work and, and try to be a part of it. And it's, you know, it's just a really, I'm going to use the word excitement a lot of times, but it's just yeah. a really exciting time especially today, you know, the day that we're talking, I mean, by the time we get off this zoom call, somebody may have signed somewhere and it's just a, it's just a crazy time. I am also waiting for just the flood. I, I'm a big Braves fan. So I'm like kind of nervous about Freddie. This is my like yeah. personal thing, but you know, obviously I think it'll be really exciting over the next couple of days. I'm sure. Uh, how, how closely have you guys, you know, that have been in Miley camp or, you know, just in general, your, your group of friends that you've been with, how have y'all been, watching the things that have been happening or paying attention have you been just kind of like tuned out a little bit or have you been like you know waiting for jeff Passan to tweet every single day 
<laughs> yeah, I actually need to turn off all the reporters <laughs> my own Twitter because that's what I've been, you know, that's what we're all going by. Yeah. And the, you know, the union is, is protecting the guys that are in the union. So from a minor league perspective, we're getting the same information that, you know, all the fans are, which mm. is I think something that's kind of cool. It's not like we have any extra information that you right. guys don't. I mean, we're getting the same stuff because for us, it's the status quo. It's yeah. opening day this day that hasn't been changed. You know, spring training has been going on. Games are about to get going in minor league spring training. And now, you know, now we're throwing the wrench in there that uh, the big leaguers are going to be back. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens um, here in a few days when they start to show up. And do you have any idea what their plan is for the next couple of weeks? Obviously, they're going to try to, I think, rush this spring now process. But do, do you have, did, were you given any clue today about what the next couple of weeks would be like? Or are you still kind of waiting to figure that out? It's still kind of a wait and see process. I mean, the beginning of the spring is always weird anyway, because there's always, you know, you got to get through your physicals, you got to get through all the paperwork, you have meetings, everything like that before you actually can really get out onto the field and play in a game. So I think the games are still scheduled for, the 17th or the 18th, one of those yeah. two days. I was looking at ESPN yesterday to see when they had canceled spring training games through because I was curious myself. Yeah. So I think it's next Friday, um, which is either the 17th or the 18th. I don't know offhand, but I, I think that is when the first official, you know, in quote in quotations, official yeah. training game begins. And we'll see what happens from there. Sweet. Um, and so I wanted to circle back a little bit. You obviously had a pretty fantastic year that puts you a little bit more on the national radar. I think you've gotten a little more attention over the last few months, deservedly so after the year you had, but I wanted to circle back kind of the beginning of your kind of pro career. Um, you went to James river in Midlothian, Southside, uh, Richmond, uh, did great there. Obviously your first team on Metro with us, the Richmond Times dispatch went to ODU did fantastic there. Where was your pro ambitions while you were hitting at James River, hitting at ODU? Was was it ever like, oh, I'm real, I'm, I'm good to the point where this is going to work in the pros, or was it like, did you have to get to that point where you're like, oh wow, I'm actually capable of this, and it's a little more of a surprise? Um, I don't know if that moment ever really hit. Like there wasn't one like eureka moment of, wow, yeah. I can do this. It was just I, I've always valued the game of baseball in my life, and I've always really just loved playing it. So. I want to play this game until I am not allowed to play the game anymore. Um, and then when I'm done, I'll probably work in the game. That's yeah. just how much, much the sport means to me. And it's just something where when I step on the field, you know, I'm just ready to go that day. I, I try my best and it's hard. It's hard in everyday life for everybody to just focus on the, on the now, but that's what I really try to focus on is what's happening now. What can I control? How can I make whatever I need to make happen today? And I, I think I've done a pretty good job when it comes, you know, within the lines of just focusing on what's happening that day and being where my feet are. So in terms of when I thought I could potentially go pro, there was a few moments in my life where I thought about it and I got humbled real quick as soon as I thought about that next level. So it was one of those things where, you know, I just need to focus on what I'm doing. And then I guess, you know, this is a terrible answer, but when I thought go pro is when I got drafted, that's when it became real. It's just like, okay, well, you know, you never know until you know. And that's when I knew that at least for that day, I was a professional. So I'm just going to try to parlay that into however long I can keep playing. And I just really love this game and I want to play it for as long as humanly possible. And what sparked that joy that you have for baseball? Clearly it's a very important part of your life, whether you're, you know, on the field or not, like what, when did that start and when did that develop? 
I'm not sure. Uh, I don't really have a good answer for that. What I know is I was a huge Yankees fan growing up. My family's from New York, so I was always watching the Yankees play. And, you know, they were they were a really good team for a really long time. And they were in the playoffs what seemed like every single year as I grew up. And I, they may have actually been in the playoffs every single year as I was watching them <laughs> growing up. Wouldn't but, shock me, yeah. Um, so I was just always watching meaningful baseball games, and I just fell in love with it. And, you know, you'd find me on a random summer day at home just watching baseball. Um, and I just really appreciate it. I really appreciate the strategy. I remember getting in arguments when I was super young, like in elementary school, talking about the strategy of baseball and how it was really cool. And now, you know, now I'm getting the advanced aspect of it, of advanced yeah. scouting reports and different things like that. And it just really grows my appreciation for it because it's not just, you know – dumb jocks playing a game which yeah. is what people think about sports like everybody is cerebral about their cerebral sorry about yeah. their um and it's just really cool to see on a day in and day out basis yeah and uh you know you talked about getting drafted and you know it's kind of just like it happened and that was it like what was that process like for you obviously you did fantastic in your last year at ODU was there was there a feeling that you were going to get drafted? Like where you're going to get drafted? Who who was interested in you? Did you have any feel for any of that stuff? None. I had no feel for it. Um, going into the year, I thought I had a pretty good chance to go decently high if I had a good year. And the, through the first half of the year, I was hitting about 200 with three homers. Um, so that really kind of wiped me off the map of yeah. really any national attention when it comes to scouting. Um, Cause I know how it works. I know, I know how scouts do their job and I can't blame them for writing me off through the first half of the year. And then the second half of the year, I really turned it on and finished with a pretty good solid junior year and going into the draft, you know, I just had no idea. I, I really didn't. It was just one of those things where I tried not to think about it. Um, which just led to me not sleeping at night and really hoping I was going to get a chance. And then eventually, you know, the third day came around and I was lucky enough to be chosen. And I'm just, you know, just really happy to be where I'm at. Um, I feel like every time I hear about baseball, pro like prospects, it's like, oh, he was a shortstop in high school. And, you know, he played, you know, he pitched and was the most athletic guy on the team. Like, you're a big dude. Like, no one's going to confuse you for many shortstops. Your bat is obviously what has gotten you here. What was it? Has it always been that way? Where have you always had like an approach that is built to succeed as a hitter? Or was it something that you developed at ODU or like, can you kind of walk me through your timeline and development as a, as a legit hitter, not only as a, a big dude that can swing the bat hard, but as a complete hitter? Yeah, I, yeah. From the development process, I mean, my swing's developing every day and it will continue until the day I retire. Um, it, it's just one of those things where every day I'm looking for the next thing that can make me just, you know, just a little bit better. And I've always been like that. It's always been trying to figure out what's the next step. I, I remember being in the car with my dad talking about not getting cheated when I was probably 13 years old of making sure to uh, making sure to like have a good at bat and make sure, you know, that's the focus every time is have a good at bat. And where I'm lucky enough is that throughout my entire life, that was uh like that's my main goal and it's still my main goal is have a good at bat. Um, it's, it's just really important to me. Like, you know, you hear a lot of guys talk about launch angle, talk about different other things like that. And my foundation is have a good at bat every single time I step up to the plate. And it's always been like that. So, you know, just throughout my life, my mindset has been really consistent, you know, from the time I was really young until now it's, it's the same general approach. Obviously there are different specific, specific things that I'm doing, but it's still the same general approach.
And um, so you got a little bit of taste of rookie ball, I think, the year you're drafted. And then all hell broke loose, you know, the next year after mm -hmm. that. Um, I talked to actually this, like, it would have been like, I guess early last year, I talked to Daniel Lynch and Noah Murdoch, who are other local dudes in the Royal system. So I guess the Royals now have this like 804 pipeline developing. And, um, um, Eden, who actually is my roommate here, who went to Thomas oh, Dale. There you go. So even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they love the 804 dudes. So um, what was it like for you? Like, what was that moment like to learn that, you know, maybe your first full year was in jeopardy, right? Obviously it turned out to be canceled. And what was that year like for you developing? Were you mostly spending time at home? Were you training? Walk me through that process. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can say this now because we're almost two years removed, but James River um, let us use their fields when uh, that all happened. So, you know, we were able to get on the field and we had a group of, you know, solid probably 20 or so guys that were able to get and do live at baths every Tuesday, we'd go up to James river and get our work in. So that was always nice uh, being able to do that because it was, yeah. there's some good talent out of the 804 and we were able to pretty much get everybody together to do that. So that was good. But, you know, from a living perspective, I really got to appreciate my family a lot more because mm -hmm. I haven't been around a lot. So, you know, you look back in 2020 and most of the time, you know, most of the thoughts are negative because of you know, kind of what happened with the world, but where I try to spin it positively, just in my own personal selfish aspect is I was really able to get to know my girlfriend a lot better and get my, get to know my family a lot better because we all lived together for pretty much six months of the entire thing. So it was just a really, it was a really unique, interesting opportunity to be able to get the, get to know the people closest to me who I haven't really been around in a while. Cause I was off at school. So I really just tried to appreciate those moments of being able to be with my family 24 seven, because like right now I've been gone for a month and we yeah. FaceTime, but it's just, you know, you know how it is. FaceTime is not the same yeah, um, as right. the flesh. So I really just tried to take those moments to appreciate spending time with family. And while I was super disappointed that the season was canceled, um, I just tried to spin it into a positive and just try to develop as a human and as a baseball player. Yeah. Um, can you describe what was it like, Entering the next year, right? You were coming off a year. Obviously, you had to do a lot of personal training. You were kind of hanging out with family. You're hanging out with the guys around Richmond a little bit, it sounded like, to kind of get ready a little bit. But could you tell where you were progressing coming off? You know, you, you've only been in rookie ball, right? You were obviously going to go to high A, I think, to start the next year. Could you tell that you were in a good spot? Or was it just like, I need to see it when it happens? And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I really didn't know where I was. Um, we had a instructs in the fall, which was kind of a good a measuring stick for where everybody was at. And then you have a full off season after that. So it was basically full off season, go to spring training for a week. Okay, now an extended off season parlayed that into a fall camp with a bunch of minor leaguers like playing into another off season into okay now you're going into an 120 game full season. So there really wasn't a way to know where you were until the season started. Yeah, so really just one of those things where I think for a lot of people there was a lot of nervousness and anxiety surrounding last season because people hadn't played in front of fans you know and with a full infield and outfield and umpires in over a year so it was just one of those things where you really just there was uh it's like jumping into a cold pool you can't just dip your toe you just gotta go all the way in to know you know to know how it feels yeah um, and obviously it didn't seem like it was too big of a learning curve for you I mean you hit 
well in high A and you basically did the exact same thing and doubled in your first taste of double A. Um, what clicked for you? Like what, what, how does it go from, you know, I'm not sure how my first real taste of minor league baseball is going to go to you're now looking like one of the better hitters in double A in your first season. It was just, it's just that same mindset. Um, and it just worked. I wouldn't say anything clicked. It's just, I try to be, I tried to be a tough out every single time. And that's really it. There wasn't, I try not to have any fear at the plate. Um, and it's just, I'm going to go play my game. And it, it, it seemed to have a good effect last year. And it's not saying that that means it's going to have a good effect this year or mm. that same approach is going to work in two years. It's just one of those things where on a day in and day out basis, my goal is to, to be a tough out. And that's what I tried to do for them, you know, for all of last year. And, and now we're looking forward to this year and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, was there any moment that jumps out to you, uh, a guy you faced, uh, a hit, a home run, a walk you took and at bat, anything from the past year that you you look back on and you're like, that was a really great moment for me in my career and I'm going to remember that one? Uh, the biggest one is probably there's a rule, kind of an unwritten rule in baseball, like within dugouts, that if you hit a foul ball homer, you're going to strike out pretty much no matter what, because you've already wasted your homer and you hit a foul. Um, and I had an at-bat this year where I hit a foul ball homer, and then I hit another foul ball homer, and then on the next pitch I hit a homer. So for three straight pitch, I hit three homers, two being foul, one being fair. And kind of the rule of thumb is if you hit a foul ball homer, the only way to get back to even is to hit another one. So I proved that theory right, and that was probably the coolest moment of the year, other than winning a championship. Obviously, winning a championship is the number one answer, but yeah. from a person from a personal side, that was a pretty cool moment just because it was like I got a bunch of texts from college friends and high school friends and just people all over. Because one of those things that we talked about all the time and I was able to successfully go foul ball home or foul ball home. <laughs> that's such like a like a, that's like peak like baseball nerdy like answer, yeah. like in, in a, a complimentary way. But um, can you describe the traits? You know, you, you you say tough out like it sounds like that's a really thing that you just you know, drill into your head. Like, I want to be difficult for this pitcher to deal with. Um, can you break down what that means as far as uh, your ability at the plate to either put the ball in play or not strike out or walk? Like, how do all these things come together for you? Kind of put me in the mind of Vinny as you're, you know, breaking down in at bat or breaking down a pitcher. Yeah, I think the main thing is swinging at the right pitches and, stopping at the wrong pitches and making sure that yeah if a pitcher throws a really good pitch spit on it you know and it's harder you know it's very easy for me to just say that right here while I'm not in the batter's box but that's that's the goal is when he makes a mistake that's when I punish him and and when he you know tip your hat when he makes a good pitch but when he makes a good pitch do your best to lay off of it and not give him a chance to get you out on that pitch yeah. so it's just one of those things of I want to make the pitcher work I mean that's my goal I want him to sweat a little bit more when I'm at the plate um, and that's just, that's really the mindset is make the guy think a little bit more when you're at the plate. Cause you want to be that, you know, you want to be that force in the lineup that the pitcher's worried about. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys go through minor league baseball and, you know, winning is not necessarily like if I, if you go to a flying squirrels game, right. At the diamond, like the first thing you aren't thinking necessarily is like, Oh, I hope the flying squirrels win today. It's not like the immediate thing a fan yeah. thinks. Right. But what is it like to be part of a team that was able to have like team success in the minor leagues? Do you think that is something that will benefit you, you know, being not just 
being a good hitter on a, you know, kind of a mediocre team, but a good hitter on a good team. Yeah, so both the teams I played on last year won championships. Yeah. Um, the high team was one of the best teams in minor league baseball and won a championship. And then the double-A team, um, we swept in the championship round. So, you know, I was on two of the best teams in each of the leagues that they were in. And it it's just playoff baseball is different. And you can't explain it until you've been there. So I look at it as just building experience in, in big-time games. And if your team can go into those big time games and just walk through that door and be able to play with the same heartbeat that you played through all year, you know, that's what it's all about. But it's one of those things where you don't know what playoff baseball is like until you've been in playoff baseball. So, you know, you hear guys talk about experience all the time. You hear that on television and everything. And it's so important because those at bats do just feel a little bit different. There's a little bit more pressure on them. So being able to be on those two teams who, we're able to fight through that fire and walk through it and win championships. It's just super important because it's something that we're all going to remember. I mean, we're going to get rings for it. You know, those two teams are going to go down in history with the Royals as two minor league teams that were able to win championships. Yep. And what can you say about the people around you and the, the, it seems like the Royals are building something really interesting. You know, uh, it seems like, based on what I heard from Noah and Daniel last year, you know, them be, them paying you guys throughout really early on throughout the shutdown. Right. And it seems like they they've gone out of their way to do things the right way to these players that, you know, aren't being paid a ton of money yet. Right. Like maybe eventually. Right. But it seems like they're doing right by you guys and the results are showing up. Can you talk about the talent and the organization and the support you've gotten from the organization? Yeah. It- the Royals treat us really, really, really well. I can't speak on other organizations because I've only been in the Royals org, but what I know is when we walk in the building, we feel valued and that's up and down the organization. And it's just super important um, that everybody feels like that because it's just positive. Um, You know, nobody feels slighted and I'm like, it's hard to build an organization of 200 plus players and make everybody feel valued and they figured out a way to do that so it's just a really cool thing to see and be a part of because when I walk in the door I do feel like a a valuable asset to the Kansas City Royals yeah um did you get to share any time with Bobby Witt down there and who are some of the others that you either shared a you know other guys that you really like were blown away by around you either on your team or in you know other teams in double a that you got to see yeah, I, I didn't play with Bobby in Double A, um, so I can't really speak on him. But there, yeah. there's a, there's so many guys. Like what, we're talking about two different championship teams here, so it's hard for it's hard for me to name names because there's just guys that a lot of are elite level players that you're yeah. gonna see on TV for a long time. So I'm gonna refrain from using any names. But what I know is you just look at the, that those two rosters, and they're gonna be riddled with big league players in a few years. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoyed reading. I caught up with the athletic article that they wrote about you and your time specifically in the Dominican Republic, which seemed like was a really interesting experience because it was kind of the opposite where it did not go well for you as far as, you know, your stats and the way, you know, you might've played, but it seemed like kind of a formative experience for you. Can you describe hitting that hurdle and what that meant? Uh, you know, being challenged like that and in a different kind of uh, baseball culture as well. Yeah, uh, Dominican was one of the more impactful experiences I've had in my life just because of how different of a world it is. Yeah, Um, We were staying in the middle of the city. I didn't have a car. 
Um, I was relying on a van of a driver who didn't speak any English. Um, and I'm not complaining about that. That's just what it was. I mean, yeah. that was just the truth of it. So, you know, there was a group of about eight American players who were all in the hotel and we all would show up at the same time at the front of the hotel to where they had security everywhere um, to get in the van and head to the field. And it's just a different, it's a different way of baseball. It's a different way of life. And it was something that I'm really, I'm really proud that I went down there to do it. Obviously, I wish I would have played better, but yeah. I don't live and die through my statistical baseball numbers. So yeah. it's one of those things where I look back and I realize, you know, I grew as a person down there. And that's all I can really ask when it comes to having experiences like that. Yeah. Uh, do you have any specific stories from those that little time that you spent there, either with the guys around you or in those games? I know it's it's. It's, it feels like a party atmosphere when you're at the games. It feels very different and lively. Um, but the Dominican in, in general, did you have any funny stories or uh, fun moments come from there? Probably the funniest story is we were supposed to have a game at 7.15 against the team. And we were on the road. So we drove, got there, we're ready for the game at 7.15. Our pitcher had started warming up. And then they decided to just change the game to 8 o'clock. Um, there was no reason for it. There was no bad weather. There was fans in the building. They just changed it. They just changed it to eight o'clock. And those games are on TV. It's not like they're like they're big time games down there. They just like, ah, no, we're actually going to start at eight. And then there was a pregame ceremony, and that was probably the funniest moment because it was like, wait, we can just change the time of games. It's a lot of freedom. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this happens. This happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so how do you look back on the last year? You know, like having such. You, I mentioned it right at the beginning, you know, you kind of now on national radar, you're on the map a little bit more than you used to be as a pro prospect, you know, part of the Royals future, possibly. Um, what's it been like to get that extra attention to see and to see the fruits of your kind of work kind of start to build toward your, you know, eventual pro career? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've always wanted to play in the major leagues. I mean, that's always been the goal with baseball is I love this game. I want to play it as long as possible, but the goal is to make it to the major leagues. And, and then the next goal is win a championship at the major league level. And I'm just happy to still be playing and my goals are still in front of me. And that's the most exciting part for it. For me is looking back on the past year. It's like just getting closer. I'm just buying my time. I'm trying to do my job every day when I show up to the field and I'm trying to do it at a really high level. And so far I've been able to do that. Um, and so that's, that's my goal going into this year is just appreciate every day, you know, try to put my best foot forward and, you know, have a good time while I do it. So, because I don't want to be miserable all year and not have a good time. So uh, I'm excited for the upcoming year. Um, I'm really excited to get things going and, I'm glad the lockout has ended now and it kind of feels normal, even though it was still normal for minor leaguers. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when I look back on it, I, it's just full of exciting, exciting times for me. And I'm excited to, you know, keep my head looking forward and see where this thing takes me. Yeah. Uh, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you kind of walk me through what the last few weeks have been for you starting to prepare, even as a lockout is going on, um, how your training has been. And also I know that you've been grinding on Madden a lot. So if you want to walk me through your Madden journeys or whatever else you got going on in your life. Yeah. So basically getting ready for the season is just getting ready for those days where, you know, you show up at a certain time, you get home at a certain time, you go to sleep, you get up and, you know, getting into that routine. And that's what it's all about. It, just like any job, that's what baseball is. It's finding, finding that routine, 
you know, you obviously don't want the day to be the same every single day, but it's finding a routine within that chaos of being able to be comfortable with where you're at. So that's kind of what the, my training cycles are, is trying to get on a routine. So then when we get out here, we get on a different routine. And then my, you can probably hear my roommates in the back. There's <laughs> Michigan State's playing Maryland currently. Oh, uh, yeah. And they're having a great time watching. Uh, so uh, you just try to find that routine. And that's what spring training is all about is, you know, you try to mix things up a little bit. But for the most part, we're on the same schedule every single day, just getting ready for the season. And, yeah, in terms of Madden, my roommates and I have overtaken the Chicago Bears. And we're in our third year now. We lost the Super Bowl in our second year. We're in our third year. We're four and one. We're working towards another, another championship run. Who do you got quarterback in the Bears right now? Uh, Justin, Justin Fields. Is, Justin, uh, okay. Yeah, he's taking the helm because he's a 90 speed and we're really developing him as a passer as well. Um, but, you know, it's going pretty good so far. Nice. Any uh, any football takes about the last week of action? I know we cover Washington pretty closely around here and that's Wentz is an interesting acquisition. Russell Wilson, uh, obviously a much bigger one for the Broncos. Any any opinions of the NFL action lately? <sighs> As of now, no hot takes on the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I'm just watching all these moves happen and just yeah. enjoying the movement in sports right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm also enjoying that the MLB is getting some time on ESPN. That's pretty exciting for the time being. Yeah. Finally, for a good reason. <laughs> for the last few weeks, it's yeah. been not yeah, for less right. great reasons. But we were, we've been on that podcast. We've been like, we've been updating people with how things are going. We're, and last week, we're just like, I don't know what we're supposed to update with. It felt like there was like a giant wall hit. So I'm yeah. glad that the last few days have changed for whatever reason have changed, but it's great to see that, you know, things will start smoothing out a little bit and hopefully getting back into the swing of things. But um, just to wrap up a little bit here, Vinny, um, like, you know, you're, you could be on the cusp of the major leagues in the next year or so. Um, what's it like going from an 11th round pick that, you know, like it seemed like your pro aspirations were I'm I'm ready to do it, but I'm not expecting anything. Right. And now you vert your way into that role. What's it like to be able to be on the cusp of a dream coming true as a lifelong baseball person? I try not to think about it um, yeah. in terms of like the broader aspect of it, because I'm still just focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I'm in the middle of it right now. I don't really want to, you know, expand my thoughts on it. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And having a good time while I do it because I don't want to put any extra pressure on myself. Yeah. So in terms of that, it's just one of those things like I'm ready for it. Um, when the time calls, I'll be ready for it and we'll see what happens when it happens. So I know that's not really a great answer there, but that's what I got for you. Um, do you have, I know some people are very goal oriented. Others are not. Do you have any specific goals for yourself and what you want to accomplish by the time your career is done and what you want to contribute to this sport? I want to be a winner. That's what I want to be. Um, I want to be a guy that when I, when I hang them up, I, I want to have won. And that could be in many different avenues, but you know, the, the main goal right now is win a world series. And that's what I'm really focused on because that's what I've always wanted to do is, is hoist that thing up there and just be pumped to be a winner. So that's the goal is win a world series and see what happens from there. Smoking like a true Yankees fan. <laughs> um, Vinny, I think that was uh, all the questions I had. Is there anything else about, you know, your history, James River, ODU, uh, last couple of years for you? Anything else that you might want to contribute about, you know, that people might want to know about or learn about you? Well, I, 
nothing like crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of my hometown. I'm really proud to be from the 804. Yeah. My bat model with Louisville is uh, the, it's called the P804. So I feel like I'm always representing home um, when I'm away. So that's, that's something that they were able to make happen for me that I find really cool every day. When I look at my bat, I see my, I see my area code um, right up there. So I'm just really proud of, of my roots and of James river and of old dominion. And I'm just super excited to represent, you know, the 804. Mm-hmm. All right, Vinny, I think that was everything, man. I really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, like I said, I think I, I wanted to touch base with you because you seem like a really good guy to talk to first of all. And you obviously have a lot of things, you know, interesting going on. So um, good luck for over the next, you know, few weeks, hopefully it'll be a fun little journey for you through spring and, you know, wherever double A, triple A, wherever you end up uh, in the next month or so, but um, I will keep in touch as things, you know, develop for you and fingers crossed that, you know, things move quickly for you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Dylan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. See ya. Well, that's this week's episode of Our Baseball Weekly. Thanks for listening. Uh, A big thank you to Vinny for joining us for that last interview. And uh, if you know anyone that would like to be interviewed or you want to request an interview, be sure to email us at ourbaseballweekly at gmail.com or just reach out to us on Reddit and we would be happy to get back to you. Uh, Our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by me, Lewis. Our editor is Nime, and our production admin is Christine. Our intro segment was hosted by me and co-hosted by the queen of the podcast, Maz. And Dylan was our interviewer. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Leese. All episodes of Our Baseball Weekly release Monday morning, bright and early, so you can have it for your morning commute. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.